The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 334 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is living with quadriplegia and succeeding in business. Quadriplegia, also called tetraplegia, is paralysis of the legs, the arms, and the trunk. Quadriplegia is most often caused by injuries to the spine, which damage or even sever the spinal cord. Strokes are also a cause of quadriplegia, and They're caused by blood clots or bleeding in the brain. Quadriplegia results in partial or total loss of control of movements and feelings in the legs, arms and the trunk. And quadriplegia results in effects that become even more serious when the injuries are high up in the neck. For example, an injury high up in the neck may cause loss of the ability to breathe. There's something else called paraplegia, which is paralysis, which affects only the lower half of the body and not the arms, and so is less disabling than quadriplegia. All of which is why our topic, living with quadriplegia and succeeding in business, is so inspiring. To discuss it, our guest is Dan Thompson. Dan's life altered in 1980 following a car accident which left him with quadriplegia. He founded the London and District Sports Association, played wheelchair rugby, and coached the Ontario wheelchair rugby team, Canadian Championship winner. He became Disabilities Initiative job broker for the Ontario government. He co-founded Colvox Co., which which was a developer of voice recognition software for disabled workers. In 1996, he became a registered rehabilitation professional. In 2006, a registered vocational professional. In 2008, he graduated as a life care planner with highest honors from Capital University's law school's certification program. With his own company, DG Rehabilitation Technologies Limited, operating across North America, he develops life care plans, vocational reports, case management services, rehabilitation plans, and housing for individuals with burns, amputations, brain injuries, spinal cord and other orthopedic injuries, and congenital disabilities. 
Don, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. And as you recall, Gord, uh, this is the third time I've been on the show, so uh, I'm honored to be called back. I guess uh, the last couple episodes couldn't have been too bad then. Oh, very good. And also, it means you're getting famous. Yeah, there you go. Now, I want you to tell us, by way of answering the very first question, tell us more about your experiences of family caregiving. Dan? Well, you know, I guess it's uh, uh, since my injury in 1980, uh, um, it's affected me both personally and, uh, uh, I guess, professionally uh, since that time. Uh, uh, to be quite honest, prior to that, I was able-bodied doing my own thing and um, having the thought of even having somebody get me up and dressed and do all the things that I would normally take for granted um, just was not in my thought process. But I would say that uh, uh, once I was immersed in it, I've had a profound experience both in making recommendations and life care plans for other individuals with spinal cord injuries to, uh, I guess, building a better mousetrap myself and looking at different ways of... Uh, teaching family members to provide care without hopefully losing their identity as to who they are, right? So, Right. Have you anything to say that you'd like to share with us about your own experience of family caregiving in your own family, Dan? Sure. I mean, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I think, as I've mentioned in previous shows as well, uh, I've had the benefit of having seven sisters or seven mums, depending on how you look at it. And uh, uh, I've had numerous girlfriends, and uh, I was married at one point, and uh, having all of these, uh, I guess, various women in my life provide my own care, um, you know, has been very helpful. Through their own experiences, life experiences, these various women in my life, no matter what capacity, have taught me um, better ways, I guess, to uh, uh, to manage my own care and to perfect certain techniques to uh, ensure better quality of care as well. Right. Now, let's switch to your career. I want to know you to tell us more about your training, your qualifications, and your work experience generally. I summarized the things you'd done, but I'd like to hear more of the details of the kind of work you did um, following the accident and as the years went by. Dan? Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, prior to my accident, uh, uh, I most of the work that I did was very physical, uh, partly because of my age. I was only 16 at the time, and uh, partly, I guess, I enjoyed doing that type of work. I worked on farms and was a general hand labor. Uh, after my accident, I've been fortunate enough to uh, work for the provincial mm -hmm. government, placing people with disabilities. And what my job was as the disabilities initiative job broker was to broker or to uh, bring together government bodies and job seekers who happen to have disabilities and I was able to accumulate over 450 people on what they called my skills bank. Some of them, Gord, actually had uh, PhDs or master's degrees. I had at least 20 people uh, who fit that criteria uh, and, in essence, uh, try to find or seek jobs in the government that they could do. So clearly they had the qualifications. I think what they lacked was the ability to market themselves and to say, hey, pick me to potential employers. Um, you know, that was one capacity. Uh, when I sold voice recognition products, remember we started off as a three-person team, 
myself, the company's only salesperson, uh, a guy named Frank Ferrari, who was, as I uh, colloquially, uh, you know, referred to him as my E.F. Hutton. When Frank spoke, people listened. And then our uh, president, uh, uh, who, who basically owned the company. And we were able to grow the company to the point where uh, we basically uh, uh, had huge offices in uh, the northern part of Toronto. And uh, we had set up a dealer network throughout North America. So I got to watch a company grow from a startup to uh, basically a, a large corporation in which we uh, uh, did an IPO that's an independent public offering, and we were able to raise up to about $14 million. Wow. Now, Dan, when was DG Rehabilitation Technologies Limited, that is your company, founded, and what are the purposes of the various services that it provides? Dan? Sure. Well, in name only, I guess it was set up initially uh, when I first had my accident and that uh, I had my own umbrella company. It was set up for tax purposes. So, I guess officially it's been set up since 1980. Um, as you alluded to when you talked about my bio, um, when I got my first certification way back in 1996, I guess is when I've been uh, more doing the life care plans, the vocational testimony, and uh, um, basically, I guess, the uh, rehab management. And, and Gord, I must tell you that I've been very blessed or lucky and that I've been able to use my disability to market my services throughout North America. There aren't many life care planners or vocational experts who can boast not only having the certification, but also, um, I guess, the uh, the credibility from having been there, done that, live it every day. Uh, so I think I, uh, I hate to brag, but I guess I think I make it myself a pretty good uh, witness, um, you know, in front of the courts because uh, I think a jury would find my message perhaps a little bit more palatable and credible than an able-bodied person espousing on the same subjects. That's because, so to speak, you've been there and done that. that that's exactly that's- yeah, that's exactly it. Yes, yes. Now, Dan, let's go back to the age of 16 with you. What was it that you had in mind for a career for yourself at the age of 16? I wanted to become a professional football player. I mean, everything I did was physically oriented. In fact, I used to get my mother to write me notes so that I could skip school because my priority was to build my body. Um, I was a workout demon, or as they say, a, uh, a workout rat. And uh, uh, I basically slept at the gym, uh, did everything I could to build my muscles. And even the jobs that I took on was very physically orientated. I, I worked on the farm so I could uh, uh, be exposed to things like lifting hay and all that so that I could build my muscles and, and aspire to do the things I wanted to do. To me, it's ironic. I make my living now reading and writing, and yet, uh, uh, you know, that was the farthest thing from my mind way back at the at ATV. <laughs> yes. Did it at the age of 16, ever entered your mind that you might be running a North America-wide business when you were years years ahead from the age of 16? Did you ever not, think about that? Oh, not at all. I mean, uh, uh, I, I guess my gregarious or outgoing personality 
uh, I guess, naturally lent itself into going to that area eventually. But at least from a business perspective, it was the farthest thing from my mind, yeah. So you were able to change your ambition and fulfill it. That is, the new ambition was getting into business, which you've been successful in doing. Uh, You trained yourself all the way through. And you got put aside the idea of you being a footballer and that professional footballer and things of that nature. So that's a, a, a massive change, but it's been a change that's brought you success and benefits. Now, at this point, talking about benefits, this is where we um, uh, I have to um, pay the rent, so to speak, uh, because it's time to take the short break. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Adley. My guest is Dan Thompson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Ooh, Johnny John. Are you happy with just accepting and passing along what the media, politicians, and government are feeding you? Or are you positively sick of it? It's time to get the real facts and form your own decisions. It's time to awaken the sleeper within you. Each week, host Dr. Nick Castellano will uncover various viewpoints and topics designed to inform and present the truth. Today's masses are manipulated by media coverage, and we will not become sheeple. Tune in to Awaken the Sleeper, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune in to Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dan Thompson. Our topic is living with quadriplegia and succeeding in business. Dan, now let's talk about your business in more detail, DG Rehabilitation Technologies. I want want to ask you first, who does... DG Rehabilitation Technologies provide its services to? In other words, who are your clients or customers? And what do they expect from the services you provide them with? Dan? Sure. 
I, uh, uh, in essence, uh, uh, market myself or the type of customers would primarily be insurance adjusters or insurance companies who are trying to mitigate or trying to reduce the amount of money they would pay an injured person to either get them back into the workforce uh, uh, or uh, to minimize the amount of money that they have to pay in terms of goods and services. So in other words, if someone, heaven forbid, was to sustain quadriplegia, they will need monies for attendant care, they will need monies for assistive devices, uh, and but there's a big difference between, as I call it, reasonable and necessary and greedy and over the top. Uh, other customers, of course, would be uh, personal injury lawyers who res- uh, represent the insurance companies. Uh, in some cases, it might be a matter of a workers' compensation claim, especially for the cases that I do in the United States. Uh, it may be uh, a doctor that I'm representing in a medical malpractice case. So those would be the type of uh, uh, clients that would retain me. And as far as managing their expectations, what my job is to do is a fact-finding mission, try to determine what those injuries are from that individual, what type of skill set they they hold, at least in terms of how it pertains to getting them back in the workforce, and then, of course, um, then doing an analysis uh, or a uh, determination as to what they're going to need to get them back into the workforce, uh, hopefully back into their pre-existing job, or uh, what they're going to need in terms of goods and services. In the course of providing these services, um, particularly when you're dealing with lawyers, does that mean that you go to court as a witness? Yes, for sure. Uh, Nine times out of ten, these cases would settle. So the risk, if you will, uh, for example, plaintiff lawyers would pay out uh, perhaps quarter million or half a million dollars in disbursements to pay for their engineering experts to determine if that corner uh, met you know, the appropriate code. They would pay a damages expert such as myself to do mock-ups as to what their client is going to need in terms of goods and services and all that. By the time they pay out these experts, do their due diligence and do their studies, as I mentioned, they could be forking out as much as half a million dollars. So uh, what they try to do is settle either through mediation and or through uh, negotiation, um, and but they would still use uh, the information that we put forward as life care planners or as vocational experts to set a benchmark as to what is reasonable uh, in terms of what that client's going to need. Uh, right. So, so uh, they basically would would use us as a tool in their negotiating process, and I would just be one cog in the wheel, if you will. Right. Now, what are the types of injuries and health conditions for which DG, your company, provides services, and how and why are these services provided in relation to the particular types of injuries and health conditions? Dan? Sure. Well, I mean, uh, the injuries could be as varied uh, for example, I did a case in the United States, uh, and as I mentioned to you, 80% of my practice or most of my practice is on the defense side. In other words, I'm representing the insurance company to try to keep the purse strings tight or only give what is reasonable and necessary. But I did a case out of the uh, Boston area 
a young chap who had sustained quadriplegia at a young age, who was three, and because of uh, sustaining his injury at such a young age, he had developed curvature of his spine, went in for surgery to have that corrected, and actually came out blind. So he had not only uh, his quadriplegia to deal with, but also his blindness. Um, He was a very smart individual, maintained his cognitive abilities, even despite having, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the issue that he had after the surgery. And so I was to look at what his loss of earnings might be had it not been for his blindness. And uh, obviously in that particular case, it settled as well, did not go to court. So I'm not privy to how much money he would have received uh, for his compensation, but that would be a uh, one example of the type of uh, uh, injury that I'd be dealing with could also be hearing loss. I've dealt with life insurance companies where people have got hearing loss, spinal cord injury, of course, uh, which I know only too well living with it every day. Uh, people with brain injuries, amputations, uh, burn uh, individuals who've uh, sustained severe burns. And so uh, it could be a multitude of different areas. And in each case, what you're trying to look at is what they're going to need in terms of goods and services or what they're going to need to get them back in the workforce. So. Right. Now, Dan, when you go to court or when you, if you go to meetings and things like that, you have to be mobile. My next question for you really relates to your mobility. And I want you to describe um, a particular trip that you're going to be making and that's on august the 26 2014 at 1 p.m in the hotel captain cook's adventure room in anchorage alaska where you're inviting people to listen to you making a presentation please tell us what's involved in your getting to and from anchorage this is what's involved in you getting to and from Anchorage and for you in making your presentation. Dan? Sure. I mean, I, uh, uh, I've been very, very lucky in that I've always tried to combine business with pleasure. So uh, um, I'd never been on an Alaskan cruise before. My attendant and I both thought it'd be a great opportunity to go to Alaska. Uh, hopefully see some glaciers, hopefully see some whales breaching and do all that. And uh, the nice thing about the type of work that I do as an expert witness, I've testified in all kinds of different jurisdictions. Unlike a, uh, a doctor and or, say, a, 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 um, you know, a lawyer who is licensed to practice in a particular state, The onus on me is to provide value to the court, to show that my knowledge as an expert witness is viable. So the nice thing about what I do is as I'm going on a a cruise such as this and having fun, then I can spend time meeting with lawyers in the Anchorage area, using my ability to market myself, and if one, if nothing else, it's a tax write-off, so I've now just written off the entire trip. <laughs> but, but hopefully, as an added bonus, I now uh, have cases. I did the same thing when I went to Hawaii, and I've done several cases. And one of the active cases that I have going on right now is for the receiver, or, or sorry, the attorney general for the state of Hawaii. So uh, um, that's the beauty of uh, 
of being able to use your disability to your advantage. Right. Now, I'm going to get into a little more detail with you. Um, you have described something which sounds as, going, as though it's going to be very enjoyable. And we, on behalf of all of us, I send you your best wishes for a beautiful voyage that you're going to be making. But I want you to tell us a little bit more about how you get onto the ship. If you're going by air, what, what's the, what are the procedures? Sure, uh, what, sure. what kind of mobility devices do you personally use? Dan? Yeah. Uh, well, in my itinerary, uh, the nice thing about it, um, and your listeners, I'm sure, would be pleased to know that Air Canada has implemented a fairly new policy that any domestic flights in Canada, the attendant gets to go for free of charge. So as I was looking up uh, prices to go on this trip, we decided to go first class because, in essence, it was a heck of a lot cheaper because now Air Canada pays for that price. So what I would do is I would use my wheelchair-accessible truck to get me from my house in Huntsville, Ontario, to drive down to uh, Pearson International Airport. We would board the airplane. And the nice thing about it is that I could take my uh, wheelchair right onto the plane because it is the first-class section. The doorways are wide enough. Otherwise, they would have to transfer me onto what they call a gurney or Washington chair, which is, uh, if I can be so funny or bold in saying reminiscence of Silence of the Lambs, where you're tied into this little tie, uh, chair, uh, the beauty is, as I said, I can take my wheelchair right into the area and transfer into those first-class seats. Because those seats are larger, and I'm a fairly large man, I'm uh, about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and I probably weigh in around uh, uh, at least a minimum of, uh, say, 230, 240 pounds. So having that type of room is, is much better. You cannot take your wheelchair or fly, uh, you know, on a plane, or maybe perhaps some people are aware of that, some, some people aren't. Once we get to Vancouver, then we will be boarding the uh, ship, and it's a matter of uh, pre-boarding ahead of time. Uh, the wheelchair-accessible cabins uh, offer uh, great space because you're right by the elevators, and this way you can take advantage of all the amenities on the ship. And then uh, once we get to uh, uh, and do our tour, um, then we're going on an inland train ride into Denali National Park. And how you get on and off the train is by means of a lift that puts you right on there. And then we get a nine-hour beautiful ride and seeing fantastic vistas and, and uh, everything that Alaska can offer. Right. Great. Now, talking of offering, it's time where we have to take the short break again, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dan Thompson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. 
Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc. G at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dan Thompson. Our topic is living with quadriplegia and succeeding in business. Dan, now let's talk about overcoming the challenges that are associated with life with quadriplegia. Now, I asked you about your August 2014 presentation in Anchorage, which you've titled Dispel Attendant Care Myths. Please explain for us what attendant care is for people with quadriplegia, what the myths are, and how you overcome these, or how you advise others to overcome these. Dan? Sure. Well, what precipitated that particular uh, presentation was a case that I was working on for a young gal who had sustained quadriplegia uh, residing in the London, Ontario area. Now, she had pre-existing Hodgkin's disease, which means that she produced a lot of sputum, which uh, uh, made it difficult for her to breathe, and and, uh, uh, sometimes she had aspiration issues uh, where she would choke on her own food, that type of thing. What they were trying to, I think, unjustly look for was two attendants to get her up and dressed. So not only were they looking for, quote-unquote, 24-hour care, but they were looking for two people to fill that. So it was 24 hours plus. And uh, to me, it just didn't reconcile for what she really needed, nor does it reconcile with what most people with quadriplegia use. So what they did was they commissioned me to look at 31 individuals who had sustained quadriplegia many years ago, and what happens once the litigation is over? Do these people still need 24-hour care? Do they even want people coming into their houses for 24 hours a day? And so uh, basically I canvassed these individuals, and what I found was that the average mean cost was only about $3,000 a month, which is a lot cheaper than some of these plaintiff reports that look 
get an excess of $180,000 a year. So if you want an explanation, I guess, as to what is reasonable and necessary and dispelling those attendant care myths, I don't think people with quadriplegia necessarily need or want that level of care. And I think they're quite capable of directing their own care, because in most cases, if they haven't sustained a brain injury, and they're able to live, hopefully, more normal lives and reduce the dependency on having somebody come into their house on a regular basis. I'm just going to say one quick thing to you, that what you did when you looked at the people who'd lived with quadriplegia and studied their attendant care needs um, was a piece of research. And one of these days, I'm going to get back to you and talk to you about getting that research published in some way, perhaps in another episode of this show, because I think what you've just said is very important for people who face a life um, where it looks as though they're going to be dependent. And you're saying, no, it doesn't have to be as altogether independent as people would say. So, but we'll come back to that uh, at a later date. Now, my next question for you, Dan, is this. Please tell us about the ways you, over, you personally overcome the most challenging of the physical challenges that you encounter in not only living with quadriplegia, but also in running a successful business. Dan? Well, when I first had my accident, the medical model puts the fear of God in you that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, numerous complications come into play. Uh, I, I have to admit that I was very fearful that I wouldn't be able to spend time on my own. They created, at least temporarily, in my mind, a dependency that I couldn't be left on my own. And so, uh, to be quite honest, I got into a relationship with a woman that may or may not have been the healthiest based on that fear implemented by the uh, medical model. Well, I'm telling you, Gord, you know, thank God that we didn't get along and that she left. And, uh, you know, that first night I spent on my own and I woke up in the morning and I didn't have, you know, a terminal pressure sore. I wasn't, you know, choking on my own sputum and I was able to live on my own was the catalyst that allowed me to then go forward and do a lot more things on my own. So uh, that type of success bred more success. And so how I try to overcome challenges is to problem solve. Um, if I have to uh, make a phone call, such as today's uh, conversation, here I am in a hotel room in Salt Lake City, Utah, talking to you using my a technology available to me, which is my cellular telephone and able to articulate the message to your listeners. Um, you know, that's a physical challenge that's overcome by using a speakerphone on a, a good quality phone uh, to allow me to articulate the message, as I mentioned. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question, the ways you overcome the most challenging of the challenges, but this time I'm going to ask you about the psychological challenges that you encounter, not only living with quadriplegia, but also in actually running your successful business. Psychological challenges, Dan. Oh, How do you sure. overcome them? Yeah, there, there are lots of fears. Uh, uh, running your own business, there's no guaranteed paycheck. 
you are there is a potential fear that you're only as good as your last sale, if you will, or you're in my particular case, you're only as good as the last case you did for lawyers. You're constantly marketing yourself to uh, other people. In fact, about 10 minutes before I have done the show, um, I've been uh, trying to sell my services to a lawyer out of the Seattle area. And, uh, you know, as I'm sure you can appreciate, some people are tougher sales than others. And I've having to give, I've had to give her all kinds of references. I've had to give her sample case reports to show her what does there. In this particular case, it's a woman with quadriplegia. And so there are multiple defendants, so which means multiple lawyers involved. And so it's not just her decision, but the decision, I guess, of the committee or of the uh, group that are going to decide whether they will retain me as their expert witness or as our life care planner and voc expert. So um, there's always that fear challenge that you may not be able to um, you know, continue to get cases or to continue to get work. Um, that would be part of the psychological thing. And the other thing is, do you have the confidence? You know, can I promote myself to these particular lawyers? Can I go to a Defense Research Institute show or the uh, American Trial Lawyers, which would be the plaintiff bar, and uh, advocate that I'm really the guy that they should be hiring um, uh, to do that. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of things. Plus, will my health give out at some point? You know, you have those constant fears in the background as well. But to me, Gord, I guess the biggest thing is the fear of not trying. In other words, I would kick my own ass if I didn't at least try to do these things as opposed to having that fear paralyze me, for lack of a better word, and prevent me from at least trying to do those things. Would you go so far as to say overcoming your fear is part of that independence, that lack of dependence that you're seeking in everything you do, so that in this way, you're depending on yourself to win the business and you're depending on yourself to get to where you need to go. You're depending on yourself to provide the skills that the people you are hoping to work with or you do work with are needing from you. Do you agree with that analysis I've just given to you? For sure, yes, wholeheartedly. Now, therefore, let me ask you this. Two people who are living with disabilities that are serious, not they're not trivial, Dan. You're, you're saying to them, I believe, that independence is fundamentally important. That's why over-reliance on attendant care, you're saying, is something to be avoided. That's why you say it's you personally that are going after the business and so to speak, if you don't get the business, you'll blame yourself, not anybody else, and not the quadriplegia. Is that right, too? Oh, for sure, yes. Uh, the buck stops here, Gord. Uh, you know, and uh, thank God I've got some pretty large shoulders to bear the burden. So. Yeah. The um, reason I'm stressing this so much is that people who do face these difficulties um, sometimes often feel alone. And sometimes the, their families um, 
I'm not being critical when I say this, may not themselves quite accept the value and the importance of this dependence because they're caring. That is to say, the caring might get in the way of encouraging dependence. And I'm not being in any way critical. I just want to repeat that in saying that. So that sense of independence then is crucial to the kind of recovery. It's not a cure, but it's a recovery from things like quadriplegia. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. And the, the thing is, Gord, that if you become dependent, what happens when these people that you're dependent on pass? Yeah. What will you do if you don't have your mom and dad or whoever to provide that care? If you don't become self-sufficient and the moving pieces in your life who are the attendants uh, coming and going, they should be interchangeable. You shouldn't have to be dependent on one person um, to fulfill your needs to get you up and dress or to fulfill your needs to provide the companionship or to fulfill your needs to help you run a successful business. Right. Very powerful. Now, once again, we've come to the time where we're going to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Dan Thompson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat Jr., President and CEO of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dan Thompson. Our topic is living with quadriplegia and succeeding in business. 
Dan, now let's talk about the things you would like to do and see done to provide more help to people living with quadriplegia so they can live fulfilling, successful, and independent lives. Dan, first question, what more would you like to do to provide the kind of help you think is necessary? Dan? Well, there's a model in place from the provincial government in Ontario called direct funding where they give monies directly to individuals who have the cognitive ability to uh, manage their own care. And from that, it's up to them to become employers, to recruit, hire, maintain, fire, and do all the things necessary to uh, hire people to get them up and dressed and make things happen. As an adjunct to that, or as a uh, uh, um, you know, I guess a uh, uh, you know a supplement to that, I would like to at one point set up a fund um, to promote entrepreneurship, to take applications to find out what people with disabilities are showing the initiative to uh, make themselves more independent, to make themselves more. Uh, autonomous, where they can run their own business, but perhaps one of the things they may be lacking is, you know, the initial seed money or whatever the case may be. And so by setting up this bursary or uh, fund, if you will, I think I hopefully would be creating more Dan Thompsons or more people who share a similar mind and a similar uh, need to, to want to become more entrepreneurial. Would you say that should come from government or should it be a charity or how else should the money be raised, Dan? Well, I would say government. As I said, uh, I think that program that we talked about, direct funding, should be expanded upon. I know they've got a waiting list um, that some people may have to wait years to get on it. And uh, the only alternative, if they don't have um, a job or if they don't have the means in which to pay for their tenant care, is to go on uh, outreach programs such as through the March of Dimes. And this way, the tenant cares dictated who they get as opposed to them having a choice as to who comes into their home to get them up and dressed. Right. Now, next question. Similar but different. What more would you, you like to see done and by whom to provide more help to people living with quadriplegia so that they can live fulfilling, successful and independent lives? Now, I know you've been talking about the direct funding. What else would you like to see done as well, well as I, that I, on top? Sorry, I've always said that knowledge is power. And so I think uh, the more information that can be given to people with disabilities to make their own choices to become entrepreneurs, then this way they can decide how to take their passions, their interests, and perhaps turn it into a business. Um, and this way they can do the same things that I'm doing. They can go to Alaska, go on a fantastic cruise, and happen to do a presentation to a bunch of lawyers and get a few cases out of the deal. So what you're saying then is training. Is it an information and learning for the would-be entrepreneurs? Is that what you're saying? For sure. For sure. Knowledge is power, and the more they know, uh, then hopefully they can make, quote-unquote, informed choices. Would you be the kind of person or would you be a person to whom they could turn in some way for the training to be 
an entrepreneur who has success but lives with quadriplegia? Are you the right man, person, individual to do I would, a train? I would say my, myself or somebody like me who is, as you put it, they've done that, and then this way hopefully the uh, the message can be imparted to them, um, and then it's up to them, I guess, to decide as to where they go from there. Right. There are obvious benefits of this to the people, the, the people who are living with the um, quadriplegia or whatever it is, the, the brain injury, whatever it is. Who else benefits? If this kind of thing that you're talking about develops, the direct funding gets more generous, the training is provided, who else benefits from all of that? Why well, society benefits because then you have uh, an economic base in which um, the shop owner um, has a bona fide clientele to which they can try to draw your purchasing power. Their family benefits because the individual now is a more well-rounded individual and can not only provide financially because they will have a revenue stream, but they would also um, have better self-esteem, so they would have a quote-unquote healthier relationship with their spouses or with their children because they feel good about themselves. And part of the reason that the government is supporting direct funding is that it's a more economic model. You cut out the middleman altogether by instead of having an agency such as March of Dimes or other facilities provide that type of care, the money is given directly to the individual and you don't have to pay then a third party to police or monitor what they're doing. The individual themselves has reporting strategies in place where they have to account for every penny and every dime. They've got to manage the money is what you're saying. Yes, for sure. That's right. Now, looking at it that way, there's also the question of if you're running a profitable business, you pay taxes, don't you? Yes, yes. And paying taxes is very different from being dependent, and I'm not, again, being unkind, on government or other funding to support the things that you need. If you're able to run a business as you're doing, and I'm not going to ask you whether you pay taxes or not, but I'm just going to presume it, because I'm sure you do, then what you're doing is contributing to society. So there's a net gain going on over Dan Thompson and what he's doing. That's right, isn't it? For sure, yes. Right. Now, my very last question goes back to a question I was asking you before. What is your message for family caregivers with family members living with quadriplegia? What do you have to say to the family caregivers? I would say try to promote that independence. Try to promote knowledge so that uh, they can make informed decisions. And uh, uh, this way, uh, then they hopefully can reach the potential that they're looking for. They can then decide that, aha, I really like going to Anchorage, Alaska, and aha, I like traveling, and heck, why can't I combine business and pleasure and do the things that I want to do? Why am I allowing my disability to stop me from doing those things? And so, therefore, this is something, are you saying, that family caregivers, again, I mean this gently, 
need to understand that that sense of adventure, that sense of fulfilling yourself is something that needs encouraging by the family caregivers in the family member. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Now, I want to ask you something else, too, about family caregivers and their responsibilities. Do you think that family caregivers themselves are getting enough support in society for caring for family members, getting enough training, getting enough information, and just getting the help that they need, not only to look after their family member, but to look after themselves? What do you say about that? I I would say that there needs to be more in place for them. I think, uh, again whether it be the individual themselves who sustain quadriplegia or their family, I think the same rules apply. Knowledge is power. And this way, uh, the more information they have, then they can make informed decisions as to whether they want to continue to provide care for their father or to continue to provide care you know, to their husband. And I think there should be a healthy distance between caregiving and the role that they play in that person's lives in terms of, you know, where they are in the family chain. Right. Very clear. Dan, we've come to the end of this great episode. Um, thank you for sharing with us your insights, your experience, and your ex- advice, and your strong message about independence. So, all success to you in your work, and all success to everyone who follows you in your work by following your example or attempting to do something similar. Congratulations on what you've achieved. Keep up the good work. Now, I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be A lawyer describes his mistakes with his fetal alcohol spectrum disorder clients. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.